their kids before the Lord today. Thank you guys so much. You guys can go have a seat. You can take the kids to Legacy Kids if you want. You guys are awesome. I love when we get to do anything with kids. It's so unpredictable. You have no idea. It's, un- it's predictably unpredictable, I feel like. You kind of you have an idea of how it'll go, but you kind of never really know exactly how it'll go. We love that. Um, hey, so uh, I'm so glad that you're here. If you, don't, if, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Robbie, and I have the distinct honor and privilege of, of pastoring this church, uh, being one of the pastors here. And, and I'm really excited today that you've chosen to be here in the house of the Lord. Maybe you thought you were in a movie theater this morning and that this was like the oddest coming attractions to a show you've ever seen. Well, it's not a movie theater this morning. Today, it is the house of God. Uh, today, it is the house of God, and what a great day to be here. Uh, one of the, actually, one of the coolest things I was thinking about uh, this morning, and, and I've probably said this before, but my kids, uh, when we go out of town, we go visit like other. We go to other cities. Go visit family. And we go maybe we go to the movies. They think every movie theater is church now, and so they're like, "Hey, when we went to that other church and watched The Grinch, uh, it was a lot of fun." And we're like, "What are you talking about?" So I don't even correct them uh, because because church is a people, not a place. Amen. And so uh, wherever we are, wherever wherever the Holy Spirit is, uh, that that is we can have church there. And uh, praise God that we're having church here this morning. And so I'm curious, how many of you were actually with us last week. Let me get just a couple of hands. I just want to get a kind of feel. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, uh, so last week, um, we, we talked all about Satan and his demons. All right, we discussed the strategy that he uses to deceive us, the lies he tells us to pull us away from the Lord. Uh, we, we discussed uh, a, a lot of these different things. And while it was sobering, I believe, to discuss that, it was, it was sobering, it was also an empowering time as we talked about victory. Amen. And, and so uh, how we get to operate from a place of victory, uh, we, the, the battle has already been won. The enemy has already been defeated. And so while he tries to deceive us, we talked about last week, the only real power he has is the power we give him when we believe his lies. Okay, and so we covered all of that last week. We talked a lot about that last week. Now I've got some really, really good news for you. Today I hope you're excited because we're switching our focus from Satan and his demons to heaven. And, and, and we're in a series of talks that's called Angels and Demons. All right, we spent the first, first two weeks discussing just those two beings. And today was meant to be, actually, uh, we only scheduled this for three weeks, and today was meant to be a, a compare and contrast between heaven and hell. But, but as I dug into this, um, as I dug into this, I realized there's no possible way I could cover both of these in one week. It's, it's not possible. So we're going to split this into two. And so we'll come back next week and actually finish the series. And so we started the series talking about sort of the princes and principalities and the beings that live in the supernatural realm around us, waging battle for the hearts and souls of each one of us. We talked about those. And, and now we're talking about their end game. Okay, we're talking about heaven. And then and the next week we'll talk about hell, but um, I realize that we just can't do that in one message. So today I just want to talk about, focus on heaven. Uh, and some people have asked, Pastor, why are we talking about this? Like, I want to live today. I want to I live, I don't want to think about death. I don't want to think about all of that. I just want to be happy here today. 
don't make me think about death. I've heard people say that, and it's even been very real for me because I, I talk, I, 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 maybe I'm irresponsible and I should have done this years ago uh, since I have three kids. But, but just this week, I was looking into life insurance and, and just and, and this, having this conversation with this life insurance uh, person is like, you know, basically when you pass, you want your family to be covered. And I'm like, well, I hope that's a long time from now. Uh, but but we were just, they were just talking in such finality. And, and I, so I know, I get it. We, we want to be happy here. We don't want to think about death. But here it is, church. It's really important that we talk about eternity because I really believe this. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about forever impacts how you live in the now. So, so in other words, if you believe that your life is an accident, that, that you have no purpose, no reason for being here, that when you die, you go back into the ground and nothing happens, well, why not live for now? That makes sense. Why not live however you want? There's no standards. There's, there's no real absolute truth. There's no reason to do anything specific. You might as well just do what you like. On the other hand, if you believe that you were created for God, by God, for the glory of God, and that you will live somewhere, somewhere after life on this earth, that will dramatically impact how you live today. So today I want to talk about heaven. And as I talk about heaven, I, I came to the reality that no matter how, I try, how hard I try, no matter how much I study, no matter how much I pour into this in prayer, I will never succeed at this message. I, I, like, I just realized that. I just realized that I'm not going to, I cannot do heaven justice. It is impossible for me to ever adequately describe the glory of heaven. In fact, Paul even proved my point when he said this in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So although I cannot do it justice, I want to let the word of God do a lot of the work today. And so we're going to read a lot of scripture. So I want to start with the words uh, of Jesus from John's gospel, the 14th chapter. And for those of you that feel a little bit heavy today, under the weight and, and, and concerns of this world, if you feel burdened, if you feel worried, if, if you feel uh, anxious, if you feel concerned, I pray that the word of God gives you faith and gives you hope this morning in the middle of what may be a difficult season for you. And so here's what Jesus said. We're just going to read this. Uh, we're going to read this portion starting, uh, let's see, we're in John chapter 14. We're starting in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, uh, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas, uh, who never quite could get it all figured out, uh, he, he piped up and he said, um, he said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, so, so don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Doesn't that get anyone excited in here this morning? I'm going to prepare a place for you, specifically for you. Well, okay, how about the words of John a little later when he was exiled on the island of, of Patmos? Uh, he had a vision given to him by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God revealed to him uh, that which was to come. And so here's what John says, uh, starting in verse 1. Uh, we're in Revelation 21. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, uh, coming down out of heaven from God, 
and prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And so what will our God be doing uh, in, in, in this time, in this moment? Scripture says this, verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, church, but this sounds like a place where I want to be. Like, this sounds incredible. And so verse 5, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done, I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers, to the victorious people of God, they will have this heritage. This will, this will be their future, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. So don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. I am going to prepare a place for you, a very specific place just for you. So let's pray. Father, we ask you today, that through the truth of your word and the power of your spirit, that you would help us loosen our grip and lessen our love for this world, that we would begin to anticipate the glory of what is to come and live in such a way today that would impact eternity. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I have to admit, I wrestled with how I was going to approach this subject, knowing that, that I could never do it justice and and I thought about coming at it from a, a theological sort of uh, intellectual point of view and, and really diving into what is heaven and, and what is, um, you know, wh- what does this look like as far as what happens when we die and getting into all of those things and the, the timeline and the order and the eschatology. And I, was, I thought about that and I was like, that's too much. I, we can't do that. And so, and so here's, here's what I just want to let you This is my strategy. I want to let you know what it is. In order to try to help you understand what heaven is, what I want to do is start by showing you what heaven is not. And so that's where we're going to go this morning, what heaven is not, because I really believe a lot of people have misconceptions uh, about what heaven's going to be like. Like, we, we, just, don't, we just don't know, and, and that's true. Like, most of us don't know. We don't, we don't get it. We're not sure, and, and, and I'm one of those people, but, but here's, here, here's, here's what we think. We, we think heaven is going to be like a bunch of just fat, bald, naked baby angels floating around on clouds singing hymns for your whole life, like for just forever. And, and just verses 1, 2, and 3 for 10, or sorry, verses 1, 2, and 4, we got to go traditional, for 10,000 years. I don't know why there's never verse 3. I, don't, I never got that. Uh, that was, they never sang verse 3 in the traditional church I went to. Uh, but, but, but just, so just verses 1, 2, and 4, that's the, that's the way. And so, so that, this is what people think that heaven's going to be like, just these fat baby angels just singing all the time, and this is what, you've, this is what you're going to do. And most people don't really have a clue of what heaven will really be like. In fact, I think if you ask most people, what do you believe about heaven, a lot of people would say that their beliefs from heaven were formed uh, actually just from like movies and TV shows and maybe even books. Maybe you think God looks like George Burns. Threw that one in for the older crowd. <laughs> It's okay. That's okay. I know, no, no, no. Okay, let me, okay. No, 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 no. You think God looks a little bit more like Morgan Freeman. Does that hit? Okay. That hits a few more people in the crowd. That's okay. But here's the sad reality. Most people, and, and, and that would include maybe perhaps many people in this room, don't really understand what heaven is like. In fact, a lot of people think that when you get to heaven, they see this never-ending eternal church service. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it's just going to be an, 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 a never-ending church service, and they see themselves in these choir robes, and we're all sitting around singing, and it's kind of cool for a little while. But then like 100 years later, you're going like, when is this worship service ever going to end? You may be thinking about that about this worship service right now. Well, I hope not. But we wrap up around 1120 if that helps. So, And so a lot of people don't really understand what heaven's going to be like. And so what I want to do today is just show you three misconceptions about heaven and hopefully some of the truth uh, about what it will be like will emerge and that will change how we live today. And I think that many of you would probably agree the number one misconception about heaven, number one, is just something I just alluded to, is actually that heaven will be boring. That's the number one, I think, misconception about heaven. Heaven will be boring. And so why, why do so many people believe that heaven is going to be boring? I think here, the, one of the reasons is because the devil is a liar, and, and heaven, I think, is under attack. Okay, so, so we talked about this last week. Satan speaks in his native language. He is a liar. And, and when I think about who the devil is, he's, uh, he, he's Satan. He's the father of lies, Scripture tells us. We talked about it at length before. And so Satan, who's also known as Lucifer, the morning star, it's understood that he was probably a worship angel, that he somehow led worship in heaven. And, and he was a glorious creature in heaven. And, and the problem is, is that he became jealous of God. He wanted the glory that God had. In fact, uh, five different times in the book of Isaiah, he essentially said, I will be like God. But we know that God can have no other. And so God cast him out of heaven, and a third of the angels followed him. And, and, and many theologians believe that, that these would be the demonic forces that we face today. And so, so what does Lucifer, the Satan, the, the prince of darkness, do today? He lies. He tries to deceive us. All right? He, tries to, he, he comes to still kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. If I were the devil, here's what I would do. If I, were, if I were him, I would try to convince the world today that hell is not a real place. Or at the very least, you shouldn't worry about it. And I would try to convince you that heaven is boring. You might as well live for today. This is all that matters. Listen, heaven, heaven is boring. Why would I want to go there? It's, it's kind of like what I believed uh, growing up. Again, I didn't come from a church background. I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, you know, uh, I didn't go to church as a, as a kid or anything like that. I didn't come to know the Lord until high school. But, but I remember I still had an idea of what heaven was just from sort of pop culture and, and again, getting my information from various places. And, and, and so uh, when I believed, um, I, and honestly, even if I had been in church, I don't think it would have really impacted my view very much of, of what I thought heaven was like because I just wasn't informed on the issue. But, but, but here's, what I, here's what I thought, here's what I imagined, here's what I thought of heaven. I thought when you die, you go to heaven. There's going to be a long line of people waiting in the clouds, right, waiting to get in. And, and waiting to get to the pearly gates where St. Peter's going to, like, check your name off a box or something. And then he's going to give you a robe. But I thought, I don't want to wear a robe, but I'm going to have to wear a robe. And then he's going to give me this harp that I'm going to have to, like, lug around, this stupid harp. And I'm going to have to play it for, like, thousands of years. And I'm going to hate being in my robe, sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, singing the first, second, and fourth verses of hymns that I don't even know. And, and so maybe that's far off from what you thought. Maybe you, maybe you have a better understanding and you thought a little bit differently about what heaven is going to be like. But that's what I thought growing up. All the cartoons I saw of people going into heaven, there was a line in the pearly gates in St. Peter. All the jokes start out with like, all right, so somebody died, went to heaven, talked to St. Peter, get let in, right? And so I just had this mentality. I had this thought of what heaven was going to be. Heaven's going to be boring. Why do so many people think that? 
it's probably because a lot of people think God is boring. A lot of people think God is a killjoy. He robs us of everything fun. What I hope that you'll understand is this. Heaven will be the opposite of boring. Honestly, the antithesis of boring. It is the absence of everything evil and is the, is, is the presence of God. Listen, when you think about it, everything that you enjoy on earth is the result of a gift of God in heaven. And so if you go to your favorite place, uh, eat your favorite food, get your favorite drink, what do you enjoy that with? You enjoy it with the taste buds that God gave you when he created you. When you go to some beautiful places and you see the glory of his creation, why do you enjoy it? You enjoy it with the eyes that God gave you to see, the, the, to enjoy the beauty of what he created. Come on, church. When you feel joy, when you laugh, when you feel love, these are emotions given to you by a good God in heaven who gives good gifts to his children on earth. When you go to heaven, you will enjoy everything that you enjoy on earth, but there will be no sin, no more pain, no more sorrow. Come on, church. No more death. It's the absence of everything evil. It's the presence of everything good. My God, heaven will be the opposite of boredom. It's the presence of the living God. So all I want to do is I want to try to show you just a few different things from Scripture that we do know about what heaven will be like. We don't know a lot about it, and, and I think even if we did, we wouldn't be able to understand it. So I'm going to show you what we do know from Scripture about heaven. There's a lot more on each point that we could read, but we'll just hit a few for time's sake. Uh, what will happen in heaven? What will heaven be like? Uh, first of all, we will know one another, and we will love and be loved. In heaven, we will recognize one another. We will know, we will love, and be loved. Matthew 8:11 says, I tell you, many come from the east and the west to recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Abraham was the father of Isaac and the grandfather of Jacob, and in heaven he enjoys the company of his son and his grandson, and Jacob enjoys the company of his father and grandfather. Matthew 26, 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit uh, of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Okay, this is the 11 who shared the Last Supper with Jesus on earth. Uh, he's going to eat and drink with them in heaven. Peter, James, John, the others, they're going to be named and known in heaven as clearly as they were named and known on earth. You can go up to Peter and be like, bro, what was it like to walk on water? You can go up to David and be like, hey, when you hit Goliath, was that skill? Was that like luck? Was that like a little bit of God? What was happening? Ladies, if you have a difficult childbirth, you can go straight up to Eve and you can look her right in the face and say, woman, what were you thinking? You can have that convo. You can work it out. It's all cool. You can do that. You will know and you will be known and you will love and be loved. For those of you who have lost loved ones who are in Christ, those of you who maybe lost a child, such a, a tragedy, lost a spouse, a relative, a friend, you will be reunited with those that you love, and yet there will be no heartache, no rejection, no pain, only in heaven, perfect love. What will heaven be like? Heaven will also be a place of unimaginable beauty. Think about this. It is written, I, I mentioned this verse earlier, 1 Corinthians 2.9, uh, that what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. That would imply that, that perhaps there might be new colors and, and new sensations and new beauty of the recreated world as God establishes a new and glorified heaven. 
like think about the beauty of this world. Think about think about just David Attenborough narrating you through this world's natural wonders. Okay, because his is the only voice that's worthy. Imagine going anywhere you wanted, traveling for the next 10 years all over the globe, checking out all the, the, the greatest natural wonders of the world, all of God's creation. Now, imagine that without sin. Imagine like this big old petting zoo where all the animals are tamed. The, the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. No sin, no death, no pain. Think, I think about the most beautiful places that I've been on planet Earth. I think about some of the most incredible, spectacular views I've taken in Shenandoah Valley in the fall. I, I think about the clear waters of Key West, the Finger Lakes of New York, or, or even the cherry blossoms in D.C. And I think about all this beauty, and, and, and the, really none of that compares to heaven. None of it. Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty, something that our heart hasn't even been able to imagine yet. What else will heaven be like? In heaven, you will see Jesus face to face. You will see Jesus face to face. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. To see Jesus, to see Jesus face to face. How, how incredible would that be? I, I think the reason that nobody cheered or maybe your mouth didn't drop to the floor is because you don't really understand what that means. If you did, you probably would cheer when I said, we're going to meet Jesus face to face. If you look throughout scripture, you'll recognize that you can't be in the presence of God and live, right? You can't. Moses said, I want to see your glory. And God's like, you can't handle my glory, Moses. I'll pass by you. I'll give you a glimpse of the very end when it goes by, but you can't handle my glory. Every year in the Old Testament, when the high priest was to enter into the Holy of Holies, which is the place that held the presence of God, it was, it was known as the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament. They would tie a rope to his leg because if he got too close to the presence of God, then they were afraid that the presence of God would actually kill him. And they had to drag old boy out with a rope because I ain't going in there with the presence of God, and I'm not going to die in this situation because all throughout Scripture, you couldn't be in the presence of God and live. And yet, one day, you will look Jesus face to face, eye to eye. When no one else in history could look him in the face and live, you will look him in the face and you will realize that you never truly lived until you see the glory of the Son of God. Come on, church. I'm giving you nothing but good news this morning. You will see Jesus face to face. What else is heaven going to be like? Uh, in heaven, you will have new and perfect bodies. Somebody should say amen. All right. Your, your grandpa got sick, and, and his mind faded away. When you see grandpa again, he's well, and he's whole. He's perfect in every way. Amputees will have limbs returned. Paraplegics will stand and dance. My receding hairline, listen, I'm going to have a luscious full head of hair. In heaven, it's going to happen. I believe it. I know it. If you have migraines, whatever you battle, in heaven you will be perfect in every way. 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, when we're talking about a tent, we're talking about our, our bodies here, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, amen? In this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling longing to take our spirit from this earth body and move it into a new and improved and perfect heavenly body. 
If indeed by putting it on, we may be not found naked. Your body will be perfect and new in every way. What will heaven be like? Heaven is the absence of everything bad and painful and evil. It's the presence of everything good, holy, and glorious. And, and based on my study of heaven, this is an interesting one, and, and, and you have to go with me on this. What it appears is that we'll actually have the glory of working for Jesus in a way that we enjoy and love. Listen, it won't be a curse. It will be a blessing as it was originally intended. Some people might seem a little shocked to, to, to even hear the idea suggested that there will be work in heaven. But it makes sense because the Bible talks so much about things that, that we do here on earth. Adam and Eve were given a mandate to work, to cultivate the land, even in paradise, in, 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 in God's creation at the very, very beginning. They were supposed to work. They were to have dominion over the animals. The Bible talks so much about what we're supposed to do. In referencing the new heavens and the new earth, here's, here's what the prophet Isaiah said. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. We will we'll get to work. We'll, we'll get to work, but not in vain. It will be a joy and an honor to work for the Lord in his perfect place. Listen, here's what I think. If you love gardening, man, you're going to grow tomatoes the size of volleyballs. Right? That's what I think. I think if, if you like singing, you're going to get to sing your head off. We're going to use our gifts as a reflection of our hearts and our passions to serve Jesus and to get to do so without sin in a way that's glorious and productive. And we will rule and we will reign with the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? You are ruling and reigning with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That's, that's what heaven is like. It's the presence of everything good and holy and right and just in the absence of everything evil and painful. So what will you not find in heaven? In heaven there will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more, no more sickness, no more fear, no more stress, no more depression, no more sleepless nights, no more anxiety, no more abuse, no more heartache, no more divorce, no more racism, no more injustices, no more violence, no more going to the bathroom at 3 a.m., no more bad breath, no more Mondays, come on church, like no more of that time of the month for the glory of God and all good things uh, come to all God's people, men and women said alike, amen. There will be no more pain. The presence of everything good and the absence of everything evil is, is, I can't even wrap my head around how amazing that sounds. Whatever you think of heaven, church, it will be better. The best thing you can possibly imagine pales in comparison to what heaven will actually be like. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. All right, that was point number one. Hmm. All right, the second misconception is this. We'll go through these last two pretty quick. The second misconception about heaven is this. So many people wrongly believe that this world is your home. This world is what matters. You know, Paul, he told the believers in Philippi this in, in chapter 3, verse 19 of the book of Philippians. He was talking about those who didn't know Christ, uh, those who, who even were the enemies of Christ. And here's what he said. He said, uh, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and the glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. 
things of this world. What matters now, what I have, what I look like, where I go, what I, what, how I dress, what I own, where I live. The misconception is that this is what matters. My bank account, your opinion of me, this world is what matters. Their mind was set on earthly things, but the very next verse, verse 20, says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is not our home. We were made for somewhere else. Many of you have felt it. I think to a certain extent we all feel that there is something more. I think God created us, this sort of uh, a homing beacon that tells us even before we put our trust in him, even before we know him, that we were made for more than this. In 1 Peter, we're called aliens, exiles, sojourners. We are only here on this earth for a brief moment in time. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, uh, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are, uns- to, to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. That means they pass away. They're not going to last. They're going to they're be gone. They're gonna, we're, we're not going to have them anymore. They're transient. But the things that are unseen, the spiritual realm is eternal. This world is not our home. We, we, we're a mist that appears for just a little while. And what you believe about this eternity determines how you live today. So many misconceptions about heaven. Heaven is boring. It's not boring. It's the absence of evil and the presence of God. This world is our home, and this is what matters. Nope, just a mist, gone. Therefore, help me live today for what matters most. The third misconception of heaven is this. All around the world today, so many people wrongly believe that most people are going to heaven anyway. Most people are going to end up there anyway. Most roads lead to heaven doesn't matter what I do, how I live. doesn't matter what I believe. Most people are going to heaven anyway. I mean, good people are going to go to heaven, right? Somebody mentioned it before. All dogs go to heaven, so of course. Everybody's going to end up there. Everybody's going to. I'm a good person. I do good things. I haven't killed anybody. Or if I did, they probably deserved it. I'm not a drug dealer. I haven't abused anybody. I'm not a bad person. Heaven is the natural default destination, right? I'm sorry, no. Don't forget what Jesus said. Take it very seriously. He said this in Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, that leads to death, that leads to pain, that leads to sorrow, that leads to an eternity separated from God. And those who enter by it are many. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The truth is, good people don't go to heaven when they die. That's the simple truth. Who goes to heaven then? Forgiven people. Forgiven people go to heaven when they die. Forgiven people, forgiven by the grace of Jesus Christ. I want you to just, to just feel the power of God's word this morning, to internalize it. So I want, I want this to impact you. I'm going to give you the opportunity to worship in just a moment, and the band's going to uh, come back. And, 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 but, but here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and stand to your feet right now where you are.
I want to read God's word over you and let it move you. I want it to stir you. I want it to shake you. I want it to create a sense of urgency in you. So here's what scripture says. Here's what scripture says. Romans 3.23, scripture says this. For everyone has sinned, and who falls short of the glory of God? All of us. Everyone. Everyone in this room falls short of the glory of God's standard. Does that include me? Yeah. Does that include you? Yes. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. We're not good people. How many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hands up high. Good. Look at whoever's hand's not in the air. Call them a liar, liar, pants on fire. We've all told a lie. We've all done it. Okay? Okay, well, let's, let's get personal. Who's ever stolen something? I have. Put my hand up. Come on. If you didn't put your hand up, like, mm, all right, mm. You've taken things from the office, right? You've snatched a couple pins, a couple, couple books of uh, sticky notes, right? You, 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 you've, you've pirated movie. You've watched a pirated movie. Maybe you didn't pirate the movie, but you've, you've, you've viewed it. You looked at it. You took a second trip to the salad bar knowing that it was only one trip, like you're only supposed to do one, but you, you took that second one. Listen, here's the, if you ever truly understand the holiness of God, you become acutely aware of the sinfulness of mankind. We're not good. We're not good. We all fall short of God's standards. Verse 24 says, yet God. Somebody say, yet God. Yet God in his grace. Notice, not in our righteousness, but in his grace. Not in our goodness, but in his grace. Not in our religious efforts, but in his grace. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. How did he do this? He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. How are, we, how are we made right with God? People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Yet God, in his grace, who gets to enjoy the heaven that we talked about today? Forgiven people who are made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There are some of you in here this morning that you have the weight, the, the, the fear, the dread of what would happen if this life were over tomorrow. Have I been good enough? What, what about my secret sins? Have, have I been too bad? I mean, I, mean, I go to church and, and I try to do good. I dedicate my life and I dedicate my kids, but I keep messing up. Have I been good enough? Can I free you from that weight and fear this morning? Scripture says that we'll never be good enough. And that's why the gospel is good news. We'll never be good enough. It's because Jesus was good enough for us. He is perfect. He is righteous. He died in our place. When he shed his blood, his blood covers our sins. He was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. He died and then three days later, God raised him from the dead. The tomb is empty. His body is not there. He is lifted. He is raised. Why? So that anyone, and this includes you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dark your life has been. Whoever calls on the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, that person will be saved. 
There are those of you that you're under this weight, this condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Today you can break the lies of Satan. You can make him release his power over your life. And you can find freedom in Christ. And so we'll just get every head bowed in here. We're going to just pray together all over this room. There's nothing special about this prayer itself, but, but when we say these words with, with belief and conviction, when we declare that Jesus is Lord, listen, we're not fixing our broken, sinful heart. Scripture says that we are getting a brand new one. It doesn't matter if you prayed this prayer when you were six or 16 or 60. If you don't have a real relationship with the Lord, today's the day. It doesn't matter if you've been going to church your whole life. If, if, if you don't know that you will be spending eternity with Jesus in the heaven that we describe today, then today is the day. Don't let this moment pass. I'm not trying to trick you anything. I, I, I want you to experience the peace that passes all understanding and to be forgiven by the only one who has the power to forgive. And so we're going to pray together. No one prays alone here at Legacy City. So if you're a believer, just pray this prayer as a reminder. If you're, if, you're, if you're praying this with fresh eyes and conviction, pray this from the heart. Let's pray this aloud together. Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Make me new. Jesus, save me. Holy Spirit, fill me that I could serve you, follow you, live for you. Help what I do now last forever. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name.